It really is a, a great time of year, isn't it? The Christmas music just gets you back in the spirit of things. Christmas is a season when God reaches into the lives of all people with His perfect love. Even while we seem to be sitting on a stump of despair. The Bible tells us that a shoot shoot comes up. The love of Jesus is expressed through mercy and grace, and the constant love of God restores us with a living hope. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 11, For our scripture today and our message, we're in the middle of this Advent sermon series, and the series is called Christ's Birth and His Certain Return. That's really what the Advent's all about, the Advent season. We celebrate His birth at the first Advent, and we look forward to His certain return. Today I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. In the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1077. 1077. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This next verse is often referred to as a sevenfold spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might. The Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Excuse me, my pages are stuck. (laughs) And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Christ's certain return. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner 
for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Isaiah chapter 11. It's about a great restoration. These first ten verses that I just read point us toward the first and the second advent of Christ. Christ meaning the anointed one, the anointed one of God. In desperate times, people look for a reason to have hope. Last week, the first Sunday of Advent, we looked deep into this term hope. And we saw how God provides, how he intervenes, and how we can know God's promises are for real because we saw them in the time of Noah. And we saw it at the first advent of Christ, the birth of Jesus, that we're going to celebrate in 20 days. Because of these miraculous gifts from God, we can have hope for a great future. And without hope, all is gloom and despair. The troubles that we suffer are often of our own doing. We make some bad decisions when we are not in fellowship with Jesus. Jesus, the one who desires to be our Lord. There are those people who trouble us, right? But if we are honest with ourselves, all too often we are probably more troubling to someone else. We are always looking in the wrong places to find answers for our general unhappiness. We try our self-help books. We listen to the sages of our time like Oprah or Dr. Phil. We listen to them for advice. We hope someone can actually make a happy pill without side effects. We seek counsel for quick and easy remedies. Sometimes we may think more government will make us happy. People have been trying these cures for generations. And guess what, people? None of them have worked. And finally, in our desperation, we reach down and we pick up an old, dusty book called the Bible. And we start to read. After all, the generations that went before us, our ancestors, were uplifted by the words that were written in this book. They seemed to have been able to deal with all kinds of stresses that annoyed them and that worry us so. And what does this book have to say about our situation? Can it really give us a reason to hope? What I believe you will see if you open it up and begin to read it and listen to the voice of God is this. God is love. 
And God is full of grace and He has mercy upon us. Even though we don't deserve it, the constant love that God gives us becomes a living hope within us. Today, may God's love, His love for us, transform us to love others. Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. The stump is dead, right? Yet, God said it should be so. Just before this chapter, if you read from the 10th chapter of Isaiah, you're going to find that God declares punishment on His people that continue to turn their back on Him. In Isaiah 10, verses 33 and 34, it says something like this, The tallest trees will be cut down, and the lofty will be brought low. Even the thickets will be cleared. The trees... His people, both, will be clean cut. Do you see the image that's being set before us? Have you ever noticed logging harvests in some of these patches of woods around the countryside? It's very tempting to select cut the wooded area where only the most valuable trees are cut down and taken out and leave the rest. While this type of select cut is used, the woods may look really nice after you've taken out those old, valuable trees. But what's typically left are sick trees or trees that just cannot support the wildlife that used to count on those old, valuable trees. A select-cut forest typically will not return to its once glorious value. But on the other hand, if you clean-cut the forest, clean-cut that wooded area, and then just step back and allow it to do its thing, to allow God to do His thing, Eventually, the woods will grow back with a great mixture of hardwoods and others, just as God had provided before. But it won't be seen by the generation that clear-cut the woods. The clean-cut woods is not beautiful. It's ugly. All we see are those dead stumps, stump after stump, just reminding us of what once stood as a mighty forest. And yet, another word comes to us from Isaiah, verse 1, 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse, you know who he is? King David's daddy. King David, all in the lineage of Jesus, 
Let's look at some illustrations about this shoot that will come up from the stump. First, I want us to think about an illustration from nature. Year after year, God provides a similar visual image for all y'all here in Indiana. The vision or the visual image is farmland. The image of life coming from seemingly dead acres of land. The harvest right now is nearly complete. We just celebrated it in Sunday school this morning. I see there's still a few acres of corn standing out there, but it's nearly complete. The farmers battled the mud to get their crops off that land. Seemingly, now it looks dead, like dead acres. Our hope is going to be challenged during this next season of winter. And the love of God will be shown to us yet again in the spring, God willing. Shoots of life will once again sprout from that barren land. Let me share another image with you. Pamela and I have traveled the roads, many roads across the country. And we used to go from Indiana to Washington, D.C., through Pennsylvania and the Appalachian Mountains. Now we go west to Denver, into the Rocky Mountains. And it always marvels me as we go through the mountains and you see all that rock. The rock runs through the mountains. Rocks that probably made a mockery of the jackhammers where explosives would have to be used to break through large areas for building a road or a highway. And yet, we have almost every time seen something along the mountains in that rocky path that just seems really strange. A tiny seedling pushing up into the sunlight. A tender shoot no bigger than my pinky. It breaks through the rock without a jackhammer, without man-made explosives. There is a scientific explanation why such a thing is possible. Yet each time that I see that sprout, that shoot, that stubborn shoot, it appears to me a miracle. Let me share with you an illustration from life and death. The human image. There was a man in a church that I served in the 1990s. We'll call him Archie. He loved his wife and he followed his wife to church every Sunday, not really understanding why, but he knew it was a good thing to do. It was a church where Archie's wife grew up. She was raised there. Archie's mother-in-law was always active and excited about Jesus and the church. 
And his father-in-law always seemed to follow his mother-in-law to church because he knew it was the right thing to do and it was the best thing for his family, for them to raise their daughter in a church. And Archie reflected back on what he was doing and he observed that life that he was living pretty much mirrored what his in-laws had done. Then his mother-in-law, slowly yet seemingly overnight, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And she suffered greatly until her death. It troubled Archie to see his wife in deep despair for the loss of her mother. He too could not come to grips with the seemingly suffering way that his mother-in-law lived the last couple years of her life. Later that same year, Archie's father-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Now let me give you a little bit more insight about his in-laws. I had an opportunity to visit them early on in my ministry there, and the mother-in-law was already beginning the stages of Alzheimer's, but I, I could see clearly that she understood and knew who Jesus was. That Jesus was actually walking with her each and every moment of this Alzheimer's experience that she was going through. And then I would spend time talking with the father-in-law. I just could not get him to understand the idea of living a good life without just doing good deeds for the church or good deeds for somebody else. I tried to explain to him that is not what is needed for salvation. It's faith alone in Christ alone. Jesus was calling him, I tried to tell him, into a relationship with him. It's not just about going to church. It's not just about doing good works. I don't believe that he ever really did grasp what I was trying to tell him. Faith alone in Christ alone is salvation. As the father-in-law's cancer continued to progress, it seemed to be rapidly. I visited more frequently until that night. that night when his life was over in this world. Archie and his wife were there as I visited with them at their father and at Archie's father-in-law's house. He had been very still, very quiet, and non-responsive as if he had been in a coma for the last couple days. I have witnessed a lot of people pass from this life to the next during my days as a pastor. Never before that, not until I was a pastor, 
And now I have also witnessed my own father in 2018. And I've got to say, it's always been a very spiritual event. The first few times I experienced it, I would come home and tell Pamela, it just seems so natural, so much like when I was in the birthing room, when you gave birth to our daughters. When a child comes into this world or when a life leaves this world, the veil between heaven and earth is temporarily breached. The angelic hosts are so near, they can nearly be felt or heard or even seen by some people. That day when Archie's father-in-law passed, was one of the most memorable, surprising, and eye-opening experiences that I witnessed up to that point. Let me just say that as he took his last breath, it was very dramatic. And there was screaming and there was gnashing of teeth as he entered into his final resting place his final place of eternity. Archie and his wife and I all circled around his bed. They were scared and Archie said, well, I guess it's finished. Then he looked up at me and he said, in a questioning way, this must be normal? I didn't know what to say. This was not normal. And I do not believe that his father-in-law went to the heavenly place where goodness and righteousness reign. I believe he probably went the other way. A place that we call hell. I wanted to comfort the sheep of my flock. I refused to give an answer. Instead, I just grabbed their hands and we prayed. I prayed for them for God's mercy, His grace, His love, and comfort for them. Archie continued to come to church. I watched him walk into church for weeks with his head bowed, his shoulders drooping more and more each day. His whole body seemed to be in mourning. He was like a stump with no life in it. I grew grew accustomed to his questions and we spent more and more time together, one-on-one, and I attempted to, to disciple him in the teachings and the love of Jesus, just like I attempted with his father-in-law. Then one day, I saw Archie coming my way with an energy in his step as he tipped his hat to me. He said, good morning, Reverend. I'm so happy to see you. He came beside me, very eager to talk. 
I could not know what brought the change that seemed to be instantaneously in him. And Archie said, I want to be baptized. Let's not wait. It needs to happen this week. I'm a changed man that wants to walk in eternity with Jesus. Perhaps for Archie, it was not sudden at all, but painful and long and slow. But like a seedling pushing up through the rock toward the sunlight, there must have been an explanation. Yet he appeared to me a miracle. Let's look at an illustration from church. I want to share an image with you of church. We often decide way too soon what will grow or will not grow. Surely not there, we say. The rock is too hard. The stump is too dead. There are times when we assume whole groups of people, maybe local churches, just cannot grow or thrive. There was a day, and the day is still alive and well in some churches where people that look different or that dress different or even sound different are not accepted by the community of faith. Some church people see these different people as scarred too much. Quietly in their minds, church people think, oh, those people, they just don't fit the image that this particular church is trying to present to the community. I don't think this way, and you should not think this way. I have made every effort in my ministry to be sure to reach the lost and the least and the last. I have even started a cowboy church. Cowboy church. It was born out of the idea that Jesus accepts us right where we are. If we repent, accept Jesus as our Lord and seek to grow in discipleship with him. We can all be part of the church. You know, cowboys and cowgirls are often seen as people that do things their own way. Just leave me alone. They'd rather tough it out in the wide expanses of the ranch or in the humble shelter of the stinky barn amongst the horses, the gates, and the muck. They'd rather do that than dress up for a Sunday gathering amongst those city slickers in what we call the church. I think we have some livestock producers here, don't we? You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Generally, people do not accept much or expect much to grow in a barn. But living hope, living hope 
can be stubborn when you're dealing with God's love. Traditional church people can try to keep outsiders down and put all kinds of obstacles in their way. Some people would say, oh, those people with tattoos. They must be so far from God that they can never be reached by His love. And how about those that just don't shave? Yeah, God created men with facial hair, but He also allowed us to create the razor to take care of that thing. Some people might say, if people can't take the time to dress up for Sunday, they must not have much of a heart for God. At least Jesus would tuck in his shirt. And cowboy hats just seem to send the wrong message. Some people would say, if these folks speak with an accent, or they say such things as, y'all fixing to do this or that, they should just sit quietly among the crowd and not share with others in a public worship setting. What kind of image would Living Hope Missionary Church of Dunphy portray to our surrounding community if we allow those sorts to be our spokespeople? You can try all you want. You can try all you want to keep outsiders down and put all kinds of obstacles in their way, and yet they push through the clutter. They unhinge the cliques within the church. They come from the world's filth, and they break through hardened hearts of good-meaning church folks. Jesus-loving people, they, they shoot up from the rock where jackhammers probably failed and they reach to the sunlight for all the world to see. And I'll spell that S-O-N. Now our text returns from Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Who could imagine anything growing as they sat on the stump of despair? I've sat there before. Have you? Maybe you're sitting on that stump of despair right now. At that place where hope seems cut off, where loss and despair have deadened your heart. And love is just smashed by hatred. The shoot. Hebrew word is hotar. Is a symbol of hope. In a clear contrast to the hopelessness sometimes felt between God and his chosen people. God is love. He transforms us through transforming our situations the shoot will come up. God's advent word comes to sit with us on that stump of despair. This word will not ask us to just get up and dance. The vision described here in Isaiah chapter 11 is surprising, but small. The nation 
would never rise again. The shoot should not become a mighty cedar. The shoot that was growing would be different. It would be different from what the people expected. I have a reading assignment for you. Isaiah chapter 53. Read through that a couple times this week. See if you don't see the Christmas story there. Listen to Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2 right now. Maybe you'll have a new perspective for that. It says this, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Read Isaiah 53 for yourself later. A shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse. Fragile, yet tenacious, and stubborn, it would grow like a plant out of hard ground. It would push back the stone from the rock-hard tomb. It will produce in the low muds of the fields. It will ring your bell at just the right time. It will break through the places where jackhammers would fail. And up from a crag in the rock where it will thrive for people to drive by and see its miracle. It will grow in the heart of a man cut off by religion. Then sorrow for his family lost until one morning he can look up again and be connected to the vine of love. It will grow in the hearts of people told over and over that they are nothing. The tender shoot will grow. It will rise from the dust of the barn where kings will bring gifts to the newborn king of kings. What if we believe? What if we believe this fragile sign is God's beginning for each one of us? For this church. Perhaps then we will tend that seedling in our hearts. The place where faith longs to break through. The hardness of our disbelief. Do not wait for the tree to become full grown. God comes to us in this Advent time. And invites us to move beyond counting the rings of the past. We may still want to sit on that stump for a while, like many have done for the last year or two here at Dunphy. And you know what? God will sit there with you. But God. But God will also keep nudging you. He'll say something like this, Look! Look there on the stump! 
Do you see that green, green shoot growing? Some call it living hope. My love for you, he says, never ends. Be transformed and share the good news with others. Let's pray. O come, tender shoot of Jesse. Free your people from despair and apathy. Forge justice for the poor and the meek. Grant safety for the young ones and the weak. Rejoice, rejoice, take heart and do not fear. God's chosen one, Emmanuel, draws near. Amen. Amen.